Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schneck. Can't have enough conversations about sales on this show. Such an important part of business that still far too many people struggle with and frustrated with. So I am looking forward to today's conversation. A little different take on sales. Uh, get you thinking a little differently about that process. We're going to talk about the art and science of sales. And yes, there is an art to it. And yes, there is science to sales. So going to be a fun conversation. I'm joined this morning by Hal Barr. He's an author, speaker, consultant, coach. In fact, he's the author of a new book called The First Billions, The Toughest, which we're here to talk about. Hal, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd. Good morning, and thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Uh, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy fellow, so I appreciate you carving out some time to spend with me. I'm looking forward to talking about this new book of yours. Before we go to that, however, take a few quick seconds, tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're currently doing. Well, I grew up in Rhode Island, went to school in Boston, have degrees there from Boston College in economics and business, and started off my sales career selling microscope slides and scientific instruments for a distributor. And as most people have experienced in their lifetime, busted out my quota, so the reward was my territory was, quote, cut, and my quota was raised. And after three years of that, I decided there had to be a better way. And at that point, a friend of mine happened to be working in the financial services industry and suggested I meet up with him and talk about the opportunities there. And so I got licensed as a security advisor and spent three years behind a desk and absolutely hated it. I mean, I love the business. I love the position as far as helping people, but I'm not a captive to an audience or to an office type of person. So I ended up making a switch over into the wholesaling ranks. So I represented a number of mutual funds to the financial advisors all across the country. So I ended up in Chicago, and in Chicago, I took a position with a company and started in a sales territory that was doing about $250 million a year, and within about three and a half years, I had cumulatively done about $2 billion plus in business. And the reason I was able to do that is I had finally learned how to really approach my business more systematically and to relate to people a little bit better. And that led to me writing a program, which I introduced to a number of the offices I was calling on. And the results were so significant in such a short period of time that the office managers called the home offices. And then from that point on, for five years, I was making presentations on business development to about 150 to 180 different uh, meetings across the country each year for about five years. And it was very well taken by the participants, and everybody had some great things to say about it. So as it turned out, I ended up going back into a sales territory here in Houston where I am now. Took a territory from about three million to thirty million the first year, thirty to fifty the second year, and fifty to a hundred million the third year. Different product lines, so the numbers are a little bit different, but the growth is what really counted. And at that point I decided, you know what, I am a player. I've been on the floor for way too long and what I want to do is get into coaching. 
So I ended up writing the book so I could get back out on the road and help people to attain the success I know that everybody has inside of them. So now I've got the book out and I'm doing speaking engagements and coaching and helping companies really align their sites on how to increase their sales within their company. Outstanding. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. So let me ask the snarky question. I mean, you obviously just walked us through how you got to this point and wrote the book, but this is a typical question I ask of people who write about a topic that there's a lot of material out there. So if you go to Amazon and you search sales books, there's a lot of titles there. I mean, so why in the, and I can ask this question because frankly, I've published a book on sales. So why did the world need this one? What's different about this one? What's different about how Barr's approach to sales that we needed another book on sales? Well, I'll, quite honestly, I mean, I had been through so many sales training programs and everything else that what I tried to do is to distill it down to its very core. And what I realized is that a lot of people were missing the point. They always seem to start off at the point where they are already engaged with a client and then they talk about the ways to get those people to persuade them and to show how you're going to provide a solution to their problems. But what they didn't really get involved with is how do you really communicate with people properly and then how do you organize yourself so you can maximize your efficiency out in the marketplace? And that's where really made a big difference in my business because I started looking at things a lot differently than I had previously. So, for instance, if you were asked somebody, and I go through this exercise with everybody, I go, so if you were asked somebody what their annual wage is and what their hourly wage is, most people would take 52 weeks times 40 hours a week, divide it into their you know, the number of hours that they're there, and they come up with, if they were making 100000 let's say, they would come up with about $38 an hour based on a 40-hour work week times 52 weeks. But you have to really realize in sales, we are only compensated for the times that we are actually engaged with a client and get them to make a commitment. So when you think about it in those terms, first of all, a lot of times it's face-to-face type of selling that I was used to or over the phone but mostly face-to-face. So I had to maximize that time to the best of my ability. So what I tell people to do is if you take 52 weeks and you take off a couple of weeks for the holidays, take off a couple of weeks to three weeks for vacation time, you take out a couple of weeks for meetings you have to attend outside your territory, a couple of weeks possibly for family emergencies and things that are unexpected, you're really down to about 40 to 42 weeks a year. And then you take into consideration in a 40-hour work week, if you really think about the amount of time that you're actually spending engaged with somebody and having a conversation, more than likely the 80-20 principle is going to pop up. And you're going to find that in an eight-hour day, you're probably engaged about an hour and a half per day in conversation with somebody trying to move a process along. So you start to think of it that way, and all of a sudden you've only got about 330 productive hours in a given year you divide that into your annual income, and if you're doing 100000 a year, you're really making about $325 an hour. So now you have to consider, am I really effectively using my time that's worth $320 an hour as opposed to thinking of myself as a $33 an hour employee? And that's where people start to get a different appreciation for their time and their effort, and that's the start of what I do with people when I start coaching them, is to have them really flip the switch on what they're really worth on an hourly basis as opposed to what they're worth in annual salary. 
Yeah, that's a really intriguing way to think about it. And Lord knows I'm I'm done the very same thing in thinking the 52 weeks and 40 hours a week in terms of calculating my uh, hourly rate. So you're making me, unfortunately for my clients, you're going to make me rethink my my, <laughs> my number there. <laughs> but, that's, but, that's, but that's okay. But it that's is okay. okay. That's the point. That is okay to do that. I mean, we are more valuable than we think, or maybe through that exercise you realize maybe this isn't for me which can be important too so you said something earlier that that's intriguing to me and it's been the thing i've wrestled with with sales for so long you said earlier that it's important to become more systematic but you also have to get better at relating to people and and sometimes i worry that that doesn't necessarily work together i think if you're more following the strict process and scripts and you are following more more comprehensive systems it takes the humanity out of sales, and that's always my, been my worry. I, mean, I get what you're saying, but help me understand that, that apparent contradiction, a, a more systematic approach, but also be treat people like human beings. I, I was worried. Absolutely. That the, the downside to a CRM is that you begin to think of all these prospects as records in a database, when no, there's a real human being there with problems and challenges and foibles and all that, and then when you can relate Absolutely. to them that way, boy, that's when everything changes. So talk Absolutely. about that dynamic. Okay, so let's talk about the art of selling first because that's where it really starts and that is most of us when we take on a position with a company most companies are relying on things like disc or myers-briggs or one of the different personality tests to assume that a certain personality fits into a certain type of box and so they can fill a position that they're looking for so what is not often discussed particularly if you're hired into the sales area most of the time you're going to fall into my vernacular which is you're going to fall into the talker situation or you're going to fall into the teller and i'll give a little bit more of an explanation here in just a second but what's really missing is that we're never educated on how people are willing to listen and in Myers-Briggs, I mean, there's four different categories, this, there's four different categories, and so on. So I created four categories to make it very easy for people to understand who they're talking to and how those people are really prepared to listen. So the first category is a thinker. Typically, your thinkers are people like researchers, accountants, let's say engineers, people that have to be right. I mean, there's no miscalculation uh, allowed for. So for those people... They're very big on the thinking side. They like to get a lot of information. They like to digest. They like to, you know, kick it around a little bit. They like to ask lots and lots of questions. So if you're the type of salesperson that comes in and just starts telling them exactly what your product is and how it's going to save their lives and all that kind of thing, you've really missed the boat with them because what they would rather have is for you to give them the information ahead of time and enlist them as a partner in helping you understand what the program is all about. So, for instance, when I was in the financial services area and I found a person to be a thinker, what I would do is rather than come in and tell them everything my home office has told me about how great this program is, I would give it to them ahead of time and say, you know, I really need some help in understanding this. My company's told me how great this is and everything else, but I need somebody's outside eyes to help me really evaluate this correctly. So if you wouldn't mind, if I could leave you the information and we follow up in about a week or so and you ask as many questions as you want and I'll answer as many as I can and see if we can come to some conclusion as to whether or not this is the great piece of mystery that everybody's been looking for, then I think the conversation will go a lot better. And sure enough, when I've done that with those type of people, they have a ton of questions. In fact, I had an engineer who was number three at a major corporation here in Houston 
who I ended up doing this with, and he came to the table with the prospectus, was outlined, highlighted, tagged, dog-eared, etc. And we spent about an hour and a half, and I spent it mostly answering his questions. I never made a pitch on the program. I never tried to sell him on it. I just let him ask all the questions. And the beauty of that was, by him asking questions, I knew how I was going to end up solidifying the sale. And the appointment actually went an hour and a half one day, another half an hour another day, and I closed them on the third day, time we met actually, and it was a huge sale for me, which was about four and a half million dollars on that one sale when the average sale in my company was about 75000 So it turned out that if I had gone in and tried to tell this guy why he should buy it, he would have probably rejected me off the, you know, right off the get-go. But by giving him a chance to dig into it and understand it, and ask all the questions, it really made my job a lot easier. So the other categories are the the teller, which is typically type A type personality. These are the people that want to tell you what to do and get it done. So these people, if you're going to present to them, you have to be very precise, you have to be very short in your explanation, and you have to have confidence. So with these people, typically in my area, it was the corner office people. So these would be the CEOs of their businesses. And I would simply you know, introduce myself and say, I have a lot of successful people like you who I do a lot of business with, and they have found this particular program does a lot for them in the way it saves them this, this, and this. Do you have any clients that fall into that category, and is there an opportunity for us to do business? And you're going to either get a yes or a no. But if you go in and try to talk to them about their kids and what they're doing on the weekends and try to get that rapport going, it's not going to happen, and these people will reject you because you're wasting their time. The third category, actually, is the talker, and these are people who love, I call them relationship junkies. I mean, they want to get to know you. They want to get to know about your kids, your family, or you know what you do outside of work, your vacations you've taken, and so on. And unless you give yourself that opportunity to build that relationship before you start to show them what kind of business you can do together, then they're not going to trust you. So if you walked in as a teller to a talker and said, you can do this, this, and this, they're going to reject you and send you packing because you haven't given them an opportunity to get to know you as a person. And then the last category is the tasker, and the tasker are the people who just want to get things done. Give them an assignment, show them where it's supposed to be, what you need at the end, and let them go to work. And your opportunity to align yourself with them is to always ask, is there anything I can do to help you take away or eliminate any of the obstacles that are keeping you from accomplishing your task? And when they're done with it, you give them plenty of accolades and lots of recognition because that's what they thrive on. So by understanding that, and when you're out there in the sales field, if you can identify the type of people that you're calling on, and engaged with, and you approach them in a way that is familiar to them, and they are willing to listen to you, your success ratio is going to go up dramatically at that point. So that's really what the art of the book talks about, is how to identify those people, what the characteristics are, and so on. So it just makes it easy for you. And and at the end of the book, when I talk in terms of methods, we are blessed today because if you go to LinkedIn, if you go to Facebook, if you go to Twitter and so on, and you look these people up, 
you're going to shortcut a lot of information that you actually need in order to assess who these people are before you even walk in the door. And so that's part of the techniques that I train people on and show them how to use. Okay. Fascinating stuff. We'll dive into it some more when we come back from the break. So Hal Barr and I will return after this quick break. We'll be right back. In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy, productive, and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. All right, I am back with Hal Barr, author, speaker, consultant, coach, and the author of a new book, The First Billions, The Toughest. So Hal, you just closed the top half of the show with, uh, I love this idea of the thinker and the teller and the talker and the tasker. And my my immediate comeback was going to be, yeah, hey, that makes all the sense in the world if you, if you know that about someone. And, and the trick was, but how do you know that about someone? And, and you, you you led some, uh, uh, kind of closed the segment by talking about how you can use uh, the social web as a way to glean some clues about who these people are. Any other ways to, I mean, I imagine there's an initial conversation and there's probably a few key questions to ask where you can quickly ascertain that. I mean, that, that's therein lies the real art of this thing is is once you know who someone is and it's easy to to present the opportunity to them in the right way in the right time sequence but it's it's getting to know who these people really are before you can ascertain that so that's that's the trick here well a lot of times you'll find that certain positions automatically default to a certain personality mm-hmm. type and so like engineers or thinkers by nature uh, attorneys are thinkers by nature. Uh, sometimes they fall into the teller category as well. But usually your higher end corporate management fall into the teller category to a great degree. I mean, this isn't rock solid as far as uh, science is concerned, but it's basically you have to kind of interpret stuff. So in, let's say I walk into an office and the guy is sitting behind his desk. If he gets up and shakes my hands and introduces himself right away, I know he's a talker. If I walk in, the guy stands behind it or sits behind his desk in sort of an authoritarian type of posture. I'm pretty sure this guy is going to be a teller. If I look around his office and I see everything is immaculate in its proper place, I'm guessing he's probably a teller. There's lots of pictures of his kids and and events that they go to or sponsorships that they involve themselves with. They're more than likely a talker. So there's lots of different clues that you can glean from your just meeting with somebody as to you know sort of the personality they fall into. And then at that point, like I say, it's not perfect, but I got it right probably 70 to 75% of the time. And it generally led to a very good close relationship going forward because I wasn't forcing my personality. Everybody has a strong suit. But everybody shares all four personalities. But there's something in the workplace that sort of identifies itself as their sort of their main suit that they deal from, and so those are fairly easy to identify when you're when you're meeting with somebody or talking to somebody. Even over the phone, you'll find that you can identify these people just by the tenor of their voice or the way they pose their questions or 
how they answer and so on. There's all sorts of identifiers that basically lead you to understand who these people are. So, for instance, I had a person attend a couple of my coaching sessions, and he was dealing with selling oil partnerships over the phone, and he was a talker, and so he was trying to talk to these people. Well, the people he was dealing with on the other end were engineers, and I said, well, you, what you really need to do is get them the information and ask them to ask you as many questions as they want. And then he ended up closing a number of deals that were really frustrating him because he was trying to attack it from his standpoint as opposed to really identifying them. So anyway, there there are plenty of little identifiers that help you understand who these people are, and that's why I do the coaching, to give people that insight and help them understand. Outstanding. So let's shift to the science of sales, and I'm particularly interested in understanding how you're using the 80-20 or the Pareto principle as part of this. So walk us through that. Okay, so I think if you were to just look at life in general, the 80-20 principle is everywhere. And in my mind, it really is a law of nature, should be considered a law of nature. And when I was a kid, I was a lifeguard through high school and college, and I worked at the shore. And people always used to get in trouble with the riptides because what they would do is they would fight the riptide that was pushing them out by trying to swim directly back to the shore. And the way you beat a riptide is you swim to the side or parallel to the beach until you're out of the riptide, and then you can make your way slowly but surely back into the beach. So when I think of the 80-20 principle, I'm thinking about a situation that's a law of nature. And you can either embrace it or you can deny it. If you deny it, you're in for a big struggle. If you embrace it, your life gets much, much easier. So let me give you a couple of suggestions as far as the 80-20 principle in our own lives. There's the chance is that if I were to walk into your house and there uh, is carpeting on the floor, chances are about 80% of that carpeting has never been walked on. Typically in the living room and some of the areas of the house that don't get used very much, you barely ever touch it. But if you have a strata lounger and there's a kitchen close by and the refrigerator is there, there's probably a pretty worn spot from you getting out of the strata lounger and heading to the refrigerator to get yourself a beer while you're watching TV. The other sort of principles I look at is if you think in terms of your clothing, you're going to wear about 20% of your wardrobe about 80% of the time. You're going to spend about 80% of your time with 20% of your friends and family. You're going to spend the golfers on the tour, 80% of the winnings go to the top 20% of the players. I mean, it is everywhere and anywhere. So if you try to force not working with the 80-20 principle, you're really doing yourself a disservice. So if you go into any company and you look at their bottom line, 80% of their profits are going to come from 20% of their efforts. If you look at any salesperson, about 80% of their sales are going to come from 20% of their clients. And if you don't recognize that, then you spend a lot of time with a lot of people, and as we mentioned earlier, that aren't worth the amount of time and effort you're putting into it when you could be really maximizing your results by spending 80% of your time with the 20% that are driving 80% of your profits. And that's really the key is to understand when you're organizing your territory or you're trying to get your hands around your sales, who it is that is actually driving your business. And more times than not, we think activity equals you know profits and success, when in fact it's identifying the people who are going to do business with you, who like you, who are willing to listen to you, that are going to drive your business. 
So when I've coached young guys coming into my industry, I used to tell them the first year that they're in the in the territory, they need to identify 50 individuals that they like, that they communicate well with, and can do business with. And I tell them spend all their time or as much of their time with those 50 individuals as they can. And then the second year, I ask them to have each one of those individuals introduce them to one additional person. And quite frankly, if you can get 100 people selling your product or selling your service or whatever it is that you're offering out there, you are going to have an incredible amount of success in your in your business. Mm, it's fascinating stuff. I, 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 it's criminal that we're out of time because there's, there's so much more we could go into this whole idea of this 80-20 principle and how to apply it to not only your sales efforts, but as you, as you suggested, it's everywhere and it impacts virtually every facet of your life, even your relationships and family. It's a fascinating concept. How I, I'm just heartbroken that we're out of time. Uh, I suspect we'll have to have you back on the show because there's a lot more to dive into with all of this stuff. Uh, but for today, should anyone have any questions of you, how can they contact you? Where can they learn about your work? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of The First Billions of the Toughest? Okay, well, they're welcome to go to my website, which is actually being revamped and really released uh, here shortly. So by the time this hits the air, probably you'll be able to go to it. It's selling8020.com, just selling8020, very simple, .com. And there's all sorts of information there. There's some tests you can take to see if you are got things in line with the way you should. They can contact me by my phone number, which is 936-207-3797. That's 936-207-3797. They can contact me directly. And then the other thing is you can go to Amazon and it's uh, just put in Halbar and a book will pop up and you're welcome to purchase it. And if you like it, write a review. <laughs> All right. Hal Barr, speaker, consultant, coach, and author of the new book, The First Billions, The Toughest. Hal, it was a real pleasure. I appreciate you stopping by and sharing some keen insights. Okay, Todd, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Hal Barr, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.